0: Anybody need a dual-threat quarterback with college football playoff experience? We'll take you through some potential landing spots for Kelly Bryant, who announced his intentions to transfer from Clemson on Wednesday. And hey, remember after week one when everybody had Cliff Kingsbury on the hot seat? Well, his Red Raiders are 3-1 one with one top 15 win already and could add another one to their resume this weekend against West Virginia. We talked to our Texas Tech publisher to find out what's been the key to their early success. It's September 27th. My name is Connor Tapp, and you are listening to the 24-7 Sports Morning Blitz. In an interview given to the Greenville News on Wednesday, senior quarterback Kelly Bryant announced his intentions to transfer from Clemson. True freshman Trevor Lawrence was recently named the starter after a four-touchdown performance against Georgia Tech. And it seems Bryant wasn't exactly hoping to spend his final year of collegiate eligibility on the bench. Bryant said he didn't feel like he was given a fair shot and that after everything he'd gone through with the team, this felt like a slap in the face. Joining us now with more on this situation is 24-7 Sports National College football writer Chris Hummer. Chris, there are a lot of facets to this story, a lot of things to consider, but in the final analysis, how do you evaluate how Dabo Swinney handled the making of and timing of this decision?
1: Dabo Swinney's aspect of this is pretty simple. Uh, He decided in the long run that Trevor Lawrence was the best player for his team, and he made that decision and Kelly Bryant as a competitor, I'm sure can understand that in terms of how fair that is to Kelly. I'm not sure. Uh, he was 16 and two as a starter. He led the team to the playoff last year and he really didn't do anything to lose the job. But if Dabo thinks that Trevor gives him the best chance long-term to start, he should go with Trevor because the more reps you get at that position, the better prepared you're going to be come uh, December and January when the playoffs and the ACC championship game take place. Uh, I had a lot of respect for Dabo this morning when this decision came down because it was at the four-game mark, uh, which is with the new transfer rule, the maximum amount of games the player can play before uh, losing a year of eligibility. So I thought he was kind of talking to Trevor and cutting him loose at this point, to so Trevor, or I'm sorry, with Kelly. So he can maintain that year of eligibility, but Davos since said the red shirt, red shirt rule had nothing to do with this decision. And it was purely based on the Georgia tech game. So I, Davo handled this like any coach would. I think he sat down with the player that he had, A relationship with. He told him that he was not going to start anymore and Kelly did what Kelly probably should do, which is maintain his eligibility and kind of live to fight another day in the college football realm of things.
0: Chris, you wrote a piece today laying out some teams who would have a particular need of Bryant's services if and when he does transfer. Uh, What are some of the more enticing options available to him?
1: The easiest bet to project and probably the the front runner, if we're going to put odds on this thing. Uh, Chad Morris didn't uh, coach Kelly Bryan at any point, but he was part of the staff that initially evaluated and offered Kelly uh, at Clemson. Uh, Chad runs that smash mouth spread that uh, he kind of made famous when he brought it over to Clemson at the time, and he's taken that to Arkansas. And Kelly would be able to jump into that offense right away and perform. Uh, I think just as importantly, uh, Arkansas is really struggling right now. Uh, Chad Morris is obviously not off to the best start, losing to North Texas and Colorado State this year. And this program is going to take some time to rebuild. Kelly next year potentially could equal one or two for Arkansas with some veteran leadership and some veteran experience and kind of really serve as a bridge as Chad Morris uh, restocks his roster with uh, players who fit his system better. And also more talented players in the SEC West. I think the other really interesting school to watch is Auburn, another SEC school. Uh, Jared Sidham is very likely to jump to the NFL draft. Uh, he almost did so last year, and it'd be a surprise to see him not go. If that's the case, Auburn really does have a hole at quarterback on its roster. Joey. Gatewood is there, but he was considered pretty raw coming out of high school in the 2018 class. And Auburn also does have, I believe, a 27- or 28-year-old former minor leaguer as their backup right now. Um, obviously, uh, that comes with some question marks as well. Kelly Bryant could step in right away and kind of be a solid starter for contender and Auburn. Uh, Auburn runs a very similar system with that Smash Mouth spread uh, to what... Kelly ran at Clemson. They're not the same, but a lot of the principles are the same and all the formations and kind of some of the calls that go with it. So those two SEC school te- SEC teams would be the most interesting, in my opinion, uh, where Kelly could land.
0: Maybe we'll see some more players transfer after this four-game mark, but right now it seems like this is going to be the uh, highest-profile player affected by this new redshirt rule or taking advantage of the redshirt rule one year into this thing how do you assess how this has gone so far
1: uh i think it's a i think it's a bit of a mixed bag i think in the long run this is a very good rule for everyone uh players should have more wiggle room when it comes to maintain their eligibility and this is giving freshmen the opportunity to play early it's giving injured players the opportunity to kind of retain their uh, eligibility and not have to go through what can often be a messy medical redshirt process that's now eliminated, but it was, well, mostly eliminated, but it was difficult to contend with in the past and there were no guarantees in terms of the transfer element of it. I, I'm always in favor of player uh, power and player embodiment with the way some of these rules work in the NCAA, the players don't get a lot of, uh, don't get a lot of options. Uh, They don't have a lot of a say. And in this case, at least, they control their own destiny a little bit. I think people get a bit confused with the red shirt rule and think any player can transfer whenever they want. That's not necessarily true. If a player plays four games and opts to transfer, he still must sit out a year unless he's a graduate transfer to the end of the season. So that's why you're seeing Kelly Bryant leave right now. Kelly's going to graduate soon at Clemson, then he'll be eligible to go somewhere else. But if a sophomore at whatever school you root for decides to leave after playing four games he's still gonna have to sit out a year uh the next season with the current transfer policy but in terms of giving players some more options and giving coaching staff a bit more flexibility i think it's worked out really well
0: all right chris hummer is a national college football writer for 24 7 sports you can find him on twitter at chris underscore hummer thanks chris thanks for having me on one of the more surprising results of week four was Texas Tech going on the road to upset Oklahoma State 41-17, to not necessarily for the fact that Texas Tech won, but for the margin of victory there. Joining us now to catch us up on what's been going on with the Red Raiders is Jarrett Johnson of Inside the Red Raiders. Jarrett, this was another season where we heard a lot of talk beforehand that Texas Tech might have an improved defense and then... Uh, Mississippi hung 47 on him and I think people like myself kind of assumed well I guess we're not going to get it again and is Cliff on the hot seat and and now I'm looking at this game and I'm wondering well were we wrong has something changed between now and then what's going on
2: yeah uh, you know what I don't blame people for kind of rolling their eyes after that first game you know the Red Raiders just simply did not show up they laid an egg they just looked lousy on really both sides of the ball Oh, throw whatever cliche you want at it. Bottom line is they look bad, and especially on defense. They give up some huge plays to Ole Miss. Ole Miss has some really talented players, uh, especially the receiving core, a good quarterback there. Uh, but still, I mean, the Red Raiders are used to seeing very talented players in Big 12 play week in and week out. And they just uh, they took a step back in that game. There's just no way around it. And I think – I know Cliff Kingsbury was very surprised that the whole team just uh, – Played so poorly, but since then the Red Raiders have really, I mean, showed I think what we expected from them, and especially in offense, but also on defense. And they shut out Lamar. This they kind of got right, an FCS opponent, seventy-seven enough, and you kind of shrug, say, okay, you're supposed to. But then the following week they play a very good offensive team in Houston. They have a very good quarterback in Derek King. They have some really good speed, some good backs. They're led by Kendall Bryles. We all know Bryles. Uh, I mean, they had some of the best offenses at Baylor when they were there. And, um, but I tell you what, they gave up 49 points. I'm not saying that anybody's bragging about that, but with the up tempo way that those two teams played, they made nine stops against the Cougars, including four three and outs and then two turnovers on downs. That kind of gave me a signal. Okay. You know, they're not terrible. This team is better than what they, you know, historically they have been, or at least recently. And then the last week happened, man. They went to Stillwater, and they beat a team that really, I'm just going to be honest, they bullied the Red Raiders for the better part of a decade. And they beat them bad. They beat them 41-17. And I, honestly, I think the game was was worse than the score. And then defensively, They shut out the Cowboys in the second half and held them to just 91 total yards in that half. So that that really told the story of that game, in my opinion. It
0: feels like we went from Cliff being on the hot seat two weeks ago to now Texas Tech is in the top 25, and we're trying to figure out if they can win the Big 12. What do you think are realistic expectations for this team going forward for the rest of 2018?
2: Look, there's been times in Texas Tech's recent history where they've had a big game like this. I mean, I believe in 2015, the Red Raiders went to Fayetteville and beat up Arkansas, which was kind of surprising. Um, they, you know, they won to Austin a couple times, but then haven't really been able to capitalize on that. You know, what I mean, it, it was kind of just like a one-hit wonder where you got the fan bases hopes up, only to come crashing down. So, I actually asked Kingsbury about that in his weekly press conference on you know on Tuesday, and um, you know he said it is important. They got they, you know they're one and oh Big Twelve conference now. They want to be one and O this week, which is coach speak. But bottom line is they have. Just, I'm not saying they have to necessarily win this game, but they have to be competitive and really uh, kind of keep that momentum going because you know they have a bye to fall in the following week. But then they go to TCU for Fort Worth, and they have UT and OU uh, and other quality Big 12 teams down the schedule down the line. So I mean, they have to keep it keep it going. They can't just you know be excited they won in Oklahoma State and and think. Uh, they've arrived because if not you know they're going to get their butt kicked they're not that talented to be able just to rest on their laurels is what i'm saying
0: texas tech has a freshman quarterback in alan bowman who's been playing well early this season and i think a lot of people are going to have a chance to get acquainted with him for the first time this weekend what can you tell us about bowman
2: alan bowman's a stud quite honestly i you know i went and saw him play in high school last year he came out to west texas um, and he has already committed, so, you know, it was a bye week, so I was like, hey, I'm gonna go drive out. This is a couple hours away from, from Lubbock, so I'm gonna go check this out. And he was good, don't get me wrong. I mean, he threw for over 11,000 yards as a four year starter at Grapevine, which is right in the middle of the Metroplex, so they played tremendous high school competition. But I, nobody, including Kingsbury, because he didn't even start him in the opener, nobody expected Alan Bowman to come in and be, what, number two in the country in, in passing yards and be, you know, one of the most efficient quarterbacks. He's been outstanding, and I tell you what—what what Bowman is—he's uh, accurate. He's as accurate of a passer that Texas Tech has had, consistently accurate too, as uh, as Graham Harrell, who was the quarterback in 2008, which was uh, probably Tech's best season ever, or at least uh, in the last 20 or 30 years. So that's that's one thing he has going for him. Another thing is uh, he has—he's very poised there's first interception of the season last week. He actually threw a couple. One was a bad throw by him. Another one was a bad read, but I mean, it was one-on-one with 6'6 T.J. Vacher and the D.B. A.J. Green is a very good defensive back for Oklahoma State. Just made a tremendous play. And on the sideline, I mean, Kingsbury just ripped him. I mean, just ripped him. You could see he was just tearing into him. And Bowman never really changed expression. He just, you know, you could just tell he's saying, "I got it, yes sir." You know, and moved on and had a great game. And I mean, he never, he never really looked rattled at all. And I was expecting him, honestly, in Stillwater, a very tough place to play, where those fans are just right on top of the players, right on top of the sideline there to rattle him and he just hasn't been he's just he just hasn't been rattled yet so I mean, another test this week in what looks like to be a very good Virginia uh West Virginia defense but um the accuracy and poise has really brought this the whole team together honestly
0: finally what do you see as being the keys to the game this weekend against West Virginia
2: uh Bowman's got to keep doing what he's doing he's got to bring it and the, for as great as Will Greer is, and he is great, Heisen candidate for a reason, I, I definitely – I tip my cap to him. I'm I'm a big fan of his. Um, he will turn the ball over, I think, because of his confidence in his arm uh, and his receiving core, which is very good as well. Uh, So, and the Red Raiders haven't been as good as turning the ball over this year, but last year the defense was, I believe, sixth in creating turnovers. So, And that's something that defensive coordinator David Gibbs preaches. So, I know you could say turnovers almost every week, but I think this game specifically it's very important that the Red Raiders are able to create turnovers. And then on the other side of the ball, of course, Bowman's got to do his thing, but I think Tech has to keep up with this running game because it's really worn down defenses, especially in the second half. Both Houston and Oklahoma State just looked gassed, and, and the Red Raiders were able to run the ball almost at will against both teams. and really just... Kind to of name the score at that point once they wore them down so West Virginia last year gave up over 200 yards on the ground now they, they've they rebuilt their defensive line they look a lot better I believe they're like 80 yards better against the run so far this year so I, I'd like to see the Red Raiders test that especially in the second half and if they can run the ball then I think they're going to have a good shot to at least be there at the end and maybe even pull off the upset
0: alright Jarrett Johnson is publisher of InsideTheRedRaiders.com you can find him on Twitter at Johnson Jarrett
2: Thanks, Jarrett. Hey, Connor. Thanks for having me on the show.
0: The Morning Blitz is a daily podcast, so we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning with the biggest college football stories of the day wrapped up in a tidy 10 to 15-minute package. You can subscribe to The Morning Blitz on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.